Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 51 with Joseph Makos and Joseph Biavenue. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. Uh, okay. So, about, uh... Well, from Two weeks ago? Yeah. You went down to Tampa, but you were not going to the AWP. <laughs> no. You went to Whale Prom. We went to Whale Prom, and it was an off-site book fair that was birthed out of the need for a inclusionary uh, small press uh, experience that's not the AWP thing. And you'll see the concerns of our listeners uh, in the interviews. There's some questions about um, you know the value and the and the cost of doing uh, of, of for a small press of doing uh, a table at AWP. Which and, uh, which I think is something that people have talked about for a long years. time. Now, uh, but now, yeah. Joseph, I believe it's five seventy five, or something like that. It's expensive. It is yeah. like how is that even worth your while at that point? Yeah, I mean, it's approaching six hundred dollars. It's it's somewhere around there, and you have to have a big budget to be able to do that. Essentially, well, you know, some of the tables were some of the tables were like, well, you know, in the last years, you know, we've split a table. It, in, in the last years, you know, it's a, it's not a, it's not an uncommon thing for two small presses to come together and split a table. Yeah, you know, so it's like four hundred bucks. Maybe the AWP's three days. They split it. It's two hundred dollars. But guess what? Now it went up to six, and they were like, "Oh, do we do three of us share the table now?" But anyways, Whale Prom did away with that because what they did is they uh, they charged about twenty five or forty dollars a table. You know, so yeah, incredibly nice. affordable. Uh, I believe they bought, brought about 50 uh, small presses together uh, in the Rialto Theater, which was a cool, beautiful open space uh, to bring everybody together in. And it wasn't actually put together by people in Florida. It was put by, together by some people from around the country. And we're going to hear from them. Uh, uh, and they had this idea that they wanted to put together sort of an alternate book fair uh, to the AWP. Yeah. And uh, it was successful. It was great, amazingly successful and great. Uh, and I got to walk around and see some books and uh, talk to a bunch of people and sort of understand sort of where this comes from and why the founders started it. And so they're going to just keep following AWP around wherever they are for a year? You know, uh, yeah, I think they are because I think that it's, it's uh, people want to see it. Uh, I think next year they're doing it up in, I believe it's in either Portland or Seattle next year. That's where the AWP is, in the Pacific Northwest. I want to say it's in Portland, and uh, but I'm not too sure. But I think that they would be, I think they would find uh, an audience that would be just as eager and just as yeah. interested. You know, maybe every press doesn't go to a- every single AWP. Uh, but I think that you know you're going to have a different grouping of presses that will set up at an event like this, wherever the AWP is next. And did, was, you, did you have people that were going to AWP also come into Whale Prom, or was definitely. it more like just definitely. one or the other? Uh, I, you know, when when uh, I, I asked some people about that, and there were a bunch of people that said, "Oh yeah, we're not even going to AWP. We're just, you know, we're just we just sort of wanted to come here to represent our press at Whale Prom, and then." You know, participate in some of the uh, the offsite readings. 
So that's the thing. You think this formula, right? AWP, you, you present a panel. You have an expect really pricey, overpriced book fair. You know, mainly probably because the facilities that these uh, that AWP, you know, they always have it at a hotel. So that's costly. Yeah. yeah. And then they're renting the hotel spaces, and they're renting the hotel. Uh, they're renting the hotel ballrooms, and they're having the book fair in a facility that is going to accommodate a couple hundreds of presses. And so I think that that's just an expensive proposition. Well, I'm interested to hear the recordings that you got, but I, I mean, it's kind of a genius idea on another level too, because I always felt like with AWP, you, I mean, the only people who are reading at AWP are people who are very well established in some sort of way. But you always had all these other poets who were attending AWP that, to me, were much more interesting that weren't didn't have an opportunity to do any readings. And you can get all those people who are going to AWP for other reasons to come do an offsite reading. But I guess offsite readings have been going on with AWP for a long time. But to kind of have it consolidated have. in one place, you yeah, know? we did yeah. one. We did one with Bill and Nancy and Kate Sopko and uh, a few other people in New York City a few years ago. We did yeah. one offsite reading. But you know, I think it is a good thing. To have these offsite readings, and you know that's what that's what Megan and I did. Uh, we we uh, went to a couple readings, the offsite readings, the first night. We did whale prom, and then a couple offsite readings the the second night, and then we headed back. But it was a nice experience to go down to Ybor City and and uh, walk down the strip and go to. A, we went to a couple readings there, and we ended up at one that was um, ended up being a dance party. So it was uh, it was cool. It was like it was like a, a more of a reading in a, in a bar, an open bar. More of a loud reading, and uh, you know where this crowd is there too, and and um, it was pretty packed. And then that sort of devolved into a dance party by the end of the night. So I know a lot of stuff. I don't know what's in these interviews yet because I haven't listened to it. But is there anything you want to add that you think is important for our listeners to know that you know didn't come up in your interviews here? You know, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of funny stuff came up. I think I want to let the interviews uh, speak for themselves. But I did ask some questions. Uh, I, I was kind of going on the general idea of. You know, what do you think about alternative book fair? Why is this? What does this come out of? What, how, what, what's the need here that this is serving? And then I asked some people some funny questions like, can you judge a book by a cover? And what do you think about poets and fashion? Oh, yeah. That's, those, that's some good questions. Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, here are some interviews and some readings and some poetry from whale the 2018 Whale Prom. We're in the Rialto Theater, and we're looking at a bunch of tables of hipster presses. I'm just kidding. Small presses. I like to make fun of everything poetry, because it's fun that way. And we're looking at this awesome group of people. It's off-site at the AWP. Happens to be in Florida this year. And we're just running into people, talking about poetry, talking about whale prom, talking about independent publishing. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Iren Matu. And you have an interesting connection to New Orleans, and what is that? So my grandparents are from New Orleans, and their parents and their parents. I'm a many-generation New Orleanian, although I grew up in Virginia, and I currently live in Philly. Okay, and you also were recently published by New Orleans Press, is that right? Yes, Trembling Pillow Press. Okay, and that's your, you have a book out? It's called Orogeny. It's my first full length. Um, I have a chapbook as well that was from Dancing Girl Press, but Orogeny came out last January 2017. Nice. And how do you feel about that reception of that book? 
super has been so excited. far? It's been really great. I've been on a book tour for most of last year, um, mostly around the Philly area, but also a few other cities. And it's just been really fantastic and a really great way to connect with other writers. And what do you think about AWP so far? AWP is a little overwhelming. It's my first one, um, but it's fantastic. There have been some great panels, some really good off-site readings. And I think the biggest thing has just been connecting with other writers and people that I've spoken to online or had these exchanges with on social media, but to actually put a face with a name and meet the person um, behind the Twitter account has really been cool. Right, yeah, that's like a cool thing to meet up with the people who you only know via like some anonymous interweb situation. Uh, And what do you, uh, this is like, we're at Whale Prom, right? We're at like an off-site book fair. And what do you think about the fact that this can exist, uh, coexist with AWP, or the fact that this is necessary? Because you were, did you go over to the other book fair? I did. I is did. it? It's overwhelming. It is. It's huge. Um, and this is really cool. I mean, I think it actually gives me hope that something like Whale Palm can exist because it makes me realize that our publishing industry is alive and well, and the fact that there are so many small independent publishers who are doing it and who are just out here promoting these books is really, really cool. I was at a panel yesterday about translation. And folks were talking about how in some other countries, there may only be a couple of presses. And so you have people whose work is just not getting out there. And so to see how many small presses there are um, and to see how we can come together and that, like, well promise, really exciting. Yeah, that's great. Uh, no, I, I, I agree. I think that, like, as, as long as there's alternate presses, there's going to be room for an alternate book fair, right? Right. Absolutely. And I think that you have a lot of... Uh, presses, university presses mostly, mm-hmm. command the larger book fair. Yeah. Because I think small presses can't afford yeah. the $400 table price. I think right. that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And it's like, it's like almost like, it's really bizarre how it's become so expensive to set up at AWP. Right. You know, the tables. Even New York, I remember setting up eight years ago, it was still 250 bucks then. Um, uh, what do you think about poets and fashion? Do you think poets are better, more fashionable than fiction writers? Oh gosh, it's a tough one. Um, we can look around the room and take a survey and, yeah. and, and sort of make fun of our, um, our I colleagues think, here. At the risk of throwing us all under the bus, I think <laughs> poets are terrible at fashion in general. Or I think, I should say, I think our fashion is like a little edgy, like kind of grunge. But that actually is very heartwarming for me because I'm terrible at fashion and so I feel like I'm with my people, like I feel very comfortable. I think there are a lot of fiction writers, um, like Chimamanda Adichie. Um, and Zadie Smith who are like you know always on social media and you see them wearing amazing clothes icons yeah icons and I'm just I could never live up to that so like I'm kind of glad poets are I think it's just we care so much about language like we don't even have time to think about clothes so it's just like sloppy wake up out of bed half these people probably have hangovers yeah it's like how can I find a pencil or pen (laughs) how can I get to the paper as quickly as possible I don't have time to think about how I look so I think it's actually like the fashion of um the fashion of, of poetry is like the fashion of nonchalance. Nice. It's a good one. Yeah. I like that. It's a good take on. Well, thanks for, thanks for being on the, the show. Yeah, thank right. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we're here at Nugget Poetry, and we're taking it in, but we just wrapped up the whale prom at the Rialto Theater, and we're here with one of the founders. Please introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit. I'm asking some questions. But. Sure. Uh, I'm Mark Eugenie. I run Big Lux Press, and I run a website called Buttercrunch that reviews chapbooks, um, and I am one of the founding organizers of Wellprom. Yeah, and, and we just literally experienced this amazing thing where you had about 50 small presses from around the country exhibiting their handmaids and, and their books and things. 
tell, tell us how this came to be. Well, this was an awesome thing tonight. So start at the beginning, uh, my pal Colette, uh, who's also one of the organizers, last year realized that like there definitely needed to be more accessible, more inclusive, um, more affordable options for uh, non for indie presses that might not be able to afford the very high sticker price of AWP. Um, and, and, when, this is, and this has been going on for a while now, let's be been, honest. It's like, been a bit. For about yeah. a decade. It's I been mean, a bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, the price has jumped pretty substantially, and it's In only getting higher. In the last few years, right? Yeah. 650 this year or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. It was over 600 bucks. And then, um, but yeah, so when they dropped the, the price, we realized how much it was going to be. We just uh, kind of thought to ourselves, what if we... 600 bucks is a lot of money. What if we just booked the entire venue? Um, and then that night, I just started looking around, see venues in Tampa, found the Rialto. So you're not even it. from Tampa? Uh, I'm not from Tampa. Where, where, where are you all from? I'm, where from, from? I'm from New York. I live in Austin. Okay, um, okay. Mike lives in um, Santa Fe, and cool. Colette lives in uh, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. So, yeah, we just all kind of knew that AWP needed to be something else for people who don't fit in their very strict paragon and also can't afford their price to begin with so we just recognized that this was the spot and found this place in less than three hours and had it booked by in two days yeah and 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 your response like you just got it out there right to use social media and just get it out there um i don't know how everybody heard about it but yeah it seemed like all the presses that i was interested in seeing cool. at awp got it got in nice. right yeah yeah we asked a lot of presses that we really liked then some other people came to us before we had a chance to ask them which was really great um, but in terms of spreading the word, we were trying to do things naturally for the most part. I did spend $50 on Facebook ads that were targeted directly at uh, AWP. And I don't know if that did it. I don't think it did. I don't think that was the only way. But I know that it, I know that helped get the word out. And the other thing, too, is yesterday I, uh, I went into the book conference, kind of rogue, um, and handed out about 500 flyers. Good. Yeah, that's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Not like paying attention to the rules. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, this was an this was a great opportunity for a lot of people. I, I, talking with a lot of participants today, not just people at book tables, but participants, I think everyone was super into the sort of the feel and camaraderie. And that you, uh, what was great about this is it evoked and was able to bring out the sort of indie scene like the, the zine scene a little bit you yeah, know yeah, like totally. but not necessarily it was it was the indie scene it was the high quality presses and indie presses so it was like to me it was like you were able to capture the essence of something there with, with people in this beautiful space right. um what do you think about next year maybe a little maybe get a dj maybe more prom at whale prom i don't know what do you think about that yeah i mean there are a lot of different directions and a lot of different ideas we have um i think what's interesting too is i think Depending on the day and the time, um, and sure. the organizer you ask, I think you're going to get a different answer in terms of like what <laughs> what we want to be. Um, I do know that the initial idea was to um, maybe do this and then make other people realize that they could do it too. So then maybe we have an AWP that looks more like uh, South by Southwest, where it's sure. you know you have the big, um, very well funded thing, and then you have a bunch of like side projects um, where people are uh, going to cheaper, more affordable options. Um, so that's. Probably what I think we're going to end up doing um, is to encourage more people to do this and also support them. And there's room for it. There's definitely and there's a need for, for it. it. There's, there's definitely, definitely a need. For it and there's definitely for a need for it. But I do know the main thing I'm going to do is sleep. <laughs> right now? Yeah, not yeah, now, yeah. but tomorrow. Like, I'm taking a week off. I'm tomorrow. Ready to okay, cool. Yeah, it's been a well, long week. Well, great. Thanks for doing this. And, and I think a lot of people are excited to see this uh, sort of thing happen again in whatever shape and form it takes. And I think it was a great success. Bless. Thank you yeah. so much for coming. I appreciate awesome. it. Great. Okay, we're here with Jell and Man Mel from Tenderloin. Oh, hey. I know, I just caught you on spot. It's fine. Hi. I'm just going to record Hi. you. 
Okay, we're at, we're, at, we're at this cool thing, right? We're at this whale prom? Yeah, yeah, we're kind of uh, in the wallflower position, like most poets. Yeah, it does really, it's really a good thing, though, because we're standing um, in front of some exposed brick. Exposed brick. And so the thing that I've noticed is that it doesn't matter what you're doing, you look cool when you stand in front of it. It's true. Exposed bricks is a selling point for like warehouse lofts and stuff. Absolutely. Good photo ops. Uh, I see you have quite a spread on your table, okay. And like, okay, well, let's, before we talk about the table, we're at, we're at this like cool Rialto theater and we're in this like alternative book fair. What do you think about the fact that this can exist in, in cohesion with, with AWP? Oh, so this is like a serious interview. Yeah. Okay. Get serious. It okay. gets less serious over time. Okay, go ahead. Well, I think it's amazing that this exists. I mean, we can't afford to go to AWP Book Fair anymore. So, because we're mostly an online, mostly an online poetry journal, but we've been trying to put out small books. And because of this, we're able to bring our small micro press here. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, this is a theme that I've been like really thinking about for a number of years. Back when like they ra- back when AWP raised their table fee, I remember in New York mm-hmm. it jumped and it was like three hundred. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh my god! Like it, it went up like a hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. And it was like it became like just out of the reach for small presses. Yeah. Right. What do you think about that? It's like kind of annoying. It's unfortunate, but I I think that even splitting least, a table right yeah. isn't yeah, even well, affordable. We used to yeah. split with smoking glue gun, and then yep. we were talking about how we'd gonna, we were going to have to split more. Like, who else could we bring in? A third table? to divide it into three, then. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. And they have more books than we do, so it would have been really squishy. Um, but it le- so it's really nice that this kind of like grassroots. Yeah. Uh, like. Um, like alternative space is coming in to kind of fill that that space. Yeah. Now that AWP is sort of this like we're not even going to the conference this year because we can't yeah. afford even it. Like a student, right. like it's yeah. not really worth it. No, yeah, even as a student, no. but this says I think this says something about the AWP organization in general. The fact that it has to be that expensive in order to. In order to actually have the event, but it makes it unreachable for young up-and-comings. There's something wrong about that. Yes, there is. (laughs) What do we do? We have this, right? I guess we're doing it. I guess that's what we do. What's nice about this space is we're all kind of trapped here, and it's not that big. And so, in some ways, we might. You can't hide. You can't run. We're all just (laughs) in this space together, and I think people probably will do even better with their books. You might be right. Also, we all get to know, know each, each other, other and yeah. if we don't, yeah. I felt like so AWP family. was weird like that because a lot of people don't sell a lot of books there. Yeah, and there's a lot of people just like whipping by. Yes. Yeah. And just like collecting. Yeah. So it's a ton of foot traffic, but it's just like a bunch of like pen and koozie collection. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Have you seen any koozies? Some poetry koozies? I would totally uh, buy it. Next time we need koozie. to. Yeah, we have one. Yeah. From Sundress. Yeah. Yeah. So the. So the key is like actually coming up with some like super like really interesting merch that has nothing to do with poetry, yes. Yes. but just something to attract people to the table. Yeah. Yes. And then mostly they just take your merch. Light up shit, koozies. <laughs> they just take your merch and go, and then yeah. But hopefully they have like a sticker that they put on their laptop, and then that's like, okay. What do you think about poets and fashion? Let's talk about poetry and fashion. Are the poets today? Do they just like roll out of bed and then like drink that bad cup of coffee in their hotel room and then? don't really give a shit about their fashion. Yeah. Seems like some people are doing Some people showed up. Yeah, some yeah. people showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess nobody Here wants, looks really nice. Nobody, maybe nobody wants to look like they're trying too hard. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I'm trying to get the lay of the land here. There's some dyed hair. That's cool. There's some, like, askew cuts. <laughs> what do you think about the fact that there's no punch bowl? There's no DJ. There's no streamers. It's supposed like to be a prom, but there's none of that. I feel like if we got a team of people together, we could make the punch bowl happen. Yes. This is what we were discussing earlier. Because we're adults. We I like the idea of like clearing this out and like actually having a dance in here. Oh, yes. Right? I know, right? Yes. And then we would definitely oh, yeah. sell some stuff. We could even play Kim's record. Oh my god, we could play Kim's record. Who has a record player? Yeah. Oh yeah, you could play the record. Okay, um, when's your, do, do you two have any plans to come back to New Orleans anytime soon? It's, it's the goal. It's our biggest it's, dream. Okay, good. Yeah, it's no, like but our like, number one. Just like, to visit in general? To hang She's out? coming back in. I'll be there at the end of the month. Yeah. Okay, for what? Just for fun. Okay, great. Mom. Awesome. The goal is to move back. Yeah, we just don't know how. Right, it's some way, somehow. Come back to New Orleans. Make jobs for ourselves. Make the job happen. All right, well, good to see you at Whale Prom. You too. Awesome. Have fun. Certified and pious. I told Alex I'd read this tonight. It's my holiday break poem. Visiting my Prince in the Midwest. Certified and pious. I don't even close my eyes or bow shamefaced when my parents say grace anymore. And if I did, I'd spend the entire minute 30 seconds contemplating the circumference of your dick. The way the North Star leads me again and again to the crowded tightrope of your skin. It's not like I ever got over the heart-stop clock tick of romance in general, just Jesus in particular, that punitive reverb that's reduced me to a pile of pinot and reefer. Show and tell me my 40 lashes are a virtue you can sink hilt deep into. I always fall in love halfway through the manuscript and then all the ice sculptures melt into crass drips. The misfit snippets overheard at Midwest Christmas dinners, mom to television. But where is her husband? I could answer, but it might involve pulling back my own bedsheets and heckling the end times. Like, who are you to monopolize the uncanny anomalies of heavenly bodies? I control the tides with the upturned circle of my pelvis. What makes you a prophet is only that you see this while others are still trying to siphon the silver from my ageless craters, documentaries still debating whether anyone has ever touched my surface in the first place. We're with Ink Press Productions from Baltimore. And we're just talking about whale prom. How, can you introduce yourself and... Hey, yeah. Um, what do you think about whale prom so far? Seems pretty cool. Um, I've spent like two and a half hours away from my table uh, just talking to other people and uh, admiring all their beautiful books and cool writing and the projects that they're getting into. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's like this is, okay, we're like at the offshoot from AWP, right? Did you go walk around AWP at all, or no? No, I'm like pretty, uh, I, one of the reasons I came to Tampa is because of Whale Prom, because they're on purpose doing this event that's sort of, because of the rising costs and the corporate nature of AWP, we have Whale Prom, and the most beautiful people are here. 
I have to tell you that every single person I've interviewed today has said this exact same thing, that the corporate nature of the AWP and the feel around that is really, it, it turns a lot of us off. And I, I, I know it's been turning me off for years. And like the cost of the table, right? Is like, what's the table here? Is like 25 or 30 bucks? Yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I yeah, it's like, like 25, 25 bucks. bucks. And like, what, AWP is like $500 for a table? Like 750 Oh, what? Yeah. That's like, insane. It's, it's an, like a insane amount of money. Like, uh, you know, you sell books for 15 bucks a pop. How are you going to ever make that money back? And then some. You're not. The, You're the, not. The, 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 my argument was the cost of a table at AWP could be the cost of an entire project for a book, essentially, yeah. about. You could, yeah, you could do, you could do, you could do yeah, an yeah. edition yeah. of a book for about that much money. Absolutely. Maybe Maybe two, even. Depending. It depends on how yeah. cheap you go. Absolutely. Uh, and what do you like about Whale Prom, just in general? Uh, I just like, well, it's a nice space, honestly. It's, like, nice to be inside. But, yeah, we're at the Rialto Theater in yeah. Tampa, Tampa Heights. Tampa Heights. Is it really? I just made that up. I think it. I think it's it Tampa is it Tampa Heights. Yeah. I think it came in earlier. Tampa Heights. I'm like, really? We're in Tampa Heights. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I guess just like seeing people I've been seeing in a while, uh, presses that I always like, am following and watching and seeing the new projects that they have out. Everyone's here. Everyone's here, and um, it's nice to just like talk to people about what they're passionate about. You're getting sort of a one-to-one conversation with people about what they're doing and the art that they're creating. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the people are always the best part of anything, I guess. Indeed. What do you think about uh, the poets and uh, the, uh, poet fashions? Do you think poets have good fashion or are they terrible fashion? <laughs> I think... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's very uh, creative. I think... Uh, no, I, I, I think some poets have good fashion. Some probably don't care at all about the way that they look. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it seems like most of the outfits, as I gaze around the room, were probably pretty intentional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Especially that, I see my student wearing a pink hat over there. Oh, that yeah, that's intentional? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Oh, why not? Yeah, why not? Sure. How many presses from Baltimore are, are, are represented? Is there like a little enclave of Baltimore folks? I don't think so. I think it's no? just us. Okay. Oh, uh, actually, uh, Ghost City? No, they're not from Baltimore. I take it back. I thought there was maybe one other person from Baltimore here. I, I have seen some Baltimore people. I know Publishing Genius used to be in Baltimore, but oh, not okay. in Atlanta. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, not, not too many uh, Baltimore people. Um, let's, do, let's talk about another thing that I neglected to talk about, which is like your wonderful table of handmade books. I, I, I want to I talk about that. Um, you fi- it seems that you over here and you're... you're oh, wait, is this your friend that you're sharing the table with, or are you all the same? It's all incredible. Okay. It seems like you've taken an approach to the handmade here and the tactile. It looks like you have some letterpress things, some uh, reused, recycled paper, repurposed things, hand stitching. There's a lot of uh, a lot of dynamic things going on here. Tell us about sort of like your why why you use that and not go like one of my professors once told me when I when I told him I was going to make handmade books, which I do. You know, it's like and I'm like he's like, oh, that's way too hard, uh, right? That's yeah. like the answer to yeah. people like, oh, it's so hard, right? Yeah. Well, it definitely is not as hard as it is time-consuming. Um, it, it is very time-consuming, but it, I mean, it's like anything. If you enjoy doing it, then it doesn't seem hard. Um, I guess, like, part of the reason 
like the book itself is an object, whether it's uh, like factory made or made by Amazon. Yeah, eighty percent of the books here are made by Amazon. You yeah. know that, right? Create Space is owned Absolutely. by Amazon, right? Yeah, so I mean, um, you have two paper choices. You have two cover. Co- I mean, you know. Absolutely, and like because you know we have never existed without the book. None of us have. Um, it, it's this thing. It's this. Um, object that this this tool that brought on the enlightenment like this this way to distribute information um but as a result of that it creates this like this medium it's like you there are things that are obscured and there are things that are revealed as you make your way to a book um there are a lot of dimensions to it and i think that when you are conscious and manipulative or like manipulate the the sort of effect that it gives you can be very powerful and by doing that with a template you're just getting the same gesture over and over again, which is okay in some ways, but we take the handmade approach because we like the idea of having a different user experience with everything, every publication that we create. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like, it's an interesting process and it definitely, a lot of people ask me, like, how do you do it? How do you get there? And like, there is really no better way of saying it other than just sort of fumbling and trying to let what's already there come out and then finally you hear that click and you know that it's right for the thing that you're doing yeah the content should or the book should match the content rather than you know the content matching the book and I think like maybe poets do that sometimes like oh I want a book that looks like this yeah you know well I actually think that um, so I teach book arts as well um, and one of the things I try to get my students to wrap their mind around is like it actually is it, it isn't even like the book should match the content or the content should match the book it's like a chicken and egg thing they should become like synergized yes they they should uh, inform each other uh, because when you create it when it goes from a manuscript to a book whether that is digital or handmade or just regularly printed it becomes another thing that it wasn't before so this synergy is what where you can find that real sort of like compelling nature of the universe that you're creating because that's essentially what you're doing yeah, I find that, like, I'm working with a poet right now on her first chapbook, and I find this exact thing, like, she came to me with her, man- or I, I listened to her perform her manuscript, and then I was like, okay, I see a poet, a book a book here, a chapbook here, maybe it's not all the poems, maybe it's some of them, so then she presents me with, okay, you're right, I'm going to curate it out of my manuscript, and then she brings it to me, and then and then I present her with paper, yeah. and I show, I show her paper, and it's like, Wow, look at this paper. It's like sandy green. She's like, oh my God, this is perfect. Okay, now I want to, this is the cover I want. So now she composed her book based upon the paper I had in my, in my bookshop. And then, and, then, and, then, and then now she's editing it based around how the book is going to be shaped and the size. So it's this real conversation that happens. Yeah, exactly. And it gives her more love for her own book and work that she's helping her book manifest it. She's manifesting her book exactly how she wants it to look. Absolutely. You know? I mean, it's a beautiful thing when an author can be proud of the book that they've written. Um, And also a beautiful thing on the publisher's end that, like, like, I took a lot of care in every single one of these, and they are, like, little babies. Yeah. (laughs) It's where where the art, it's where the art object and and poetry comes back in. Yeah. Around the other side. And also performance. Honestly, uh, our mission is... Uh, to blur the lines of genre and writing visual and performance art and I think that a book is a performance just as much as it is an object and just as much as it is a vessel for someone's writing Um, likewise a poetry reading has similar qualities to what a book can do and uh, I think it's really fascinating Um, sort of 
what you can do when you start like poking at different parts of the body. The metaphoric body. <laughs> hey, I like that. We're gonna end it. We'll end it right there. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thanks for joining yeah, uh, totally. with our podcast today. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're here with birds. LLC, you guys put the LLC on there? Yeah. Okay. Make the, make the combo between business and poetry. Okay, yeah, and tell us a little bit about that. What, what, are, you all, what are you up to with birds, LLC? Uh, we started probably around um, 2010-ish, and uh, mostly first books because the first book process seemed a little broken, mostly contests, which have this sort of inverted system where... The, the editors don't pick the books. You know, they, pick, they have a giant slush pile and they only see like ten. Yeah. And there's lots of money involved, which is expensive for folks. So we don't we don't do open submissions or, or contests. We don't charge anybody money. Just through solicitation only. Okay, cool. And then, okay, so we're at Whale Prom, which is like this alternative book fair, right? Yeah. And what do we see in front of us? Can you describe what you see? Yeah, so it's like all the presses that I would wander AWP looking for all in one place. Instead of going through row and row of uh, stuff that is not interesting to us, it's all here in one place, and uh, that's kind of exciting. And it's also affordable for a lot of small presses. A $600 table is just prohibitive, not to mention travel and, and lodging, so um, uh, this is totally sustainable for these presses that are so important to uh, you know, contemporary culture. That's an interesting thing you brought up. Uh, I, I say interesting uh, in a, in a uh, in a completely bland way, but I, what I really mean is everyone else who I've talked to today actually brings up the same point that you brought up, which is the cost prohibitive nature of the AWP. What do you think is going on there? Uh, well, I mean, I don't necessarily blame the organization. They're understaffed. I think what it is is like uh, convention centers. Uh, charging a lot of money. I think in, this. I have no evidence for this. But my theory is that like convention centers are used to hosting big corporate things like boat shows, and those companies have tons of money. They do. So they they rate them. That's where their rates are because they can afford that. So AWP has to compete with that. Not compete, but like they have to pay those rates as if they were some fancy corporate thing, and they're not. And they have like a staff of four. So I don't. I don't blame them in any way. I don't think. I think they're charging what they have to charge. Yeah. I don't think they're profiting crazy amounts because of it. It's just it's just because we're having things in mainstream convention centers that charge a bunch of money. That's, that's, that's just my theory. No, I, have that, no idea. I, I like that theory. That's an that's an interesting theory because it brings up some sort of like the econ- the economics of scale and like the perceived value that like the like the, like a conference of this size has to go through in order to run their conference. They have to book a venue that can accommodate. Absolutely. So and, there's 20,000 writers. They can't have it at some cheaper place. And they don't look at it like like these these venues don't look at it like, oh, well, you're writers, so right. we'll charge you we're 60% no, of We're the, no different than tech startup convention yeah. that has a way bigger budget. Do you see something like this continuing to happen like at where AWP goes, like following the AWP with this type of venue, with this type of book fair that happens off-site. Yeah, I think it's totally interesting. This sort of shadow culture has has started probably, I don't know, six or eight years ago with all these off-site readings, right? So, it, it, uh, the sort of a, a shadow reading conference started around then. We did in New York. We did... 
yeah. did a bunch of off-site readings in New York. I remember that. You know? Yeah, and we did we did one all the way back to Austin. That's when we started doing it. And then this is sort of a manifestation of the the book fair version of that. And um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think I, I mean I think Mark and uh, Mark Eugenie and Mike Young, who uh, deserve all the credit for this. Um, have plans to move forward. I think they're going to make it a two-day thing next time. I think they're even going to start to add some of those sort of panels and talks, but about stuff that we're interested in. Uh, most of the folks here probably look at the AWP um, booklet and are not that interested in a lot of the panels and talks. And uh, so I think it's going to grow. I think it'll be interesting to see how the organization interacts with this. You know, like when the off on the off-site readings really took off, they started putting it in their official pamphlet. You could say, where are your off-site readings? Sure. It's sort of folded in a bit. Did they ignore whale prom this year? I wonder. That's a good question. I don't know if they acknowledged it in any official way, but Mark said that they've been in conversation with them, so Great. I know it's not totally separate. So they exist. So they accept that this exists, and, you know, yeah, they run. They, they, they get it, I guess. Yeah, and it's probably mutually beneficial. I mean, I don't know how much money they, like, some, some folks like us have tables at both. Uh, this is sort of exploratory for us to see uh, what this is all about, kind of compare numbers. Like, for example, our table is beating our AWP table. Okay. So we're getting more sales here. At Whale Prom. Than at, than at the official conference. So that's an interesting bit of data. Yeah, That indeed. we'll have to go back to the drawing board with. Yeah, no. Sure. What do you think about poets and fashion? Uh, we There's a bunch of hipsters here right now, so I just want to, like, let's critique some fashion. Yeah, I always enjoy it. Uh, we have one editor that's just like, poets are the worst dressers of all time. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I like how uh, everybody's sort of um, showing their thing via clothing and hair and all that stuff. Style. So I yeah. like it, yeah. It's a cool thing. Um, do you think you can judge a book by its cover? We hope so. <laughs> we, uh, we, we... Don't we do that? Don't, I mean, even, it's, like, so funny that... I think it's, we judge. We're judge. Humans are judges. I think it's telling of the organization that if if you can't make it look good, then there's other problems too. I'm not saying that if it looks good, it's gonna be good. But if it doesn't look good, uh, chances are that there are other problems. Yeah, that's. A, so, I like that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure there are good books that don't look good, but I'd, but uh, I'd walk by that table. I, I would just. You know, I stop at the things that look good. First. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I thought I think it's indicative of a process and, and a set of values too. Yeah, for us, it's not even you know, it's more about the author. So like, they've been working. Most of ours are first books that they've been working on for like ten years and struggling to get it published. And they have this image of what it looks like and what it feels like, and and uh, we try to make that uh, vision a reality instead of making something that they're kind of ho home about and they're like, oh, wow, I worked 10 years to have something that looks like this. Yeah. You know, we, we really want them to be proud of it and excited and that it embodies the work and the effort they've put into it over those 5, 10, whatever years. Um, so, and, 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 it, and it, I think it's also, if they're proud of it, the way it looks, they're going to they're gonna get on the, they're going to pound the pavement more. They're going to they're gonna push it. They're not going to be shy about it. There's going to be an object that they're happy with handing it over yeah. for that 10, we, 20 bucks. We know that everybody's proud of the poems, uh, but uh, if they're proud of the object and the cover, um, then they're, they're just going to be that much more uh, enthusiastic about uh, promoting it. And as a publisher, you've done your job. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. cool. All right, well, that was Birds LLC coming to you from Whale Prom. Yeah, thanks a lot.
Colleen. Yes. And gra Grandma. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your press, where you're from, and then we can go uh, look at Whale Prom and make fun of the people, or oh. we can sing their praises of fashion, Let's which sing I don't their see praises. too much, too much uh, great fashion here today. But we'll see. That guy's got a nice Wait Western. A guy's I got a really nice Western shirt over there. I'm really into her tennis the, shoes. That's very Kim oh, the Kardashian tennis shoes. Yeezy season. Uh, very easy season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you actually have a prom set up over here. I, we do, yeah. Okay, so we're grandma. Uh, we're from Seattle. Um, we're really invested in creating environments for people to experience poetry in a non-intimidating, very accessible way. Yeah, okay. We're also really kitschy bitches. So we have set up a prom photo where you can climb into a giant clam with a dolphin, a pearl, and a bunch of sunflowers. Yeah, we got a picture for that. Commemorate yeah. your experience. <laughs> I love um, this dolphin. It's great. The dolphin's got resting bitch face, which we love. Um, it totally does. <laughs> but Grandma also... Uh, Are you serious? That's what it's saying. Are you serious? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's the face we should all have all the time. <laughs> but really... Grandma is this amazing press that um, is no longer on social media and is really, in Seattle, invested in creating a kind of physical community around what we publish. Good. Sort That's, of, you're yeah. doing the exact opposite of everybody because exactly. when you start a press, you know, they say like the thing you're supposed to do even before you publish your first book is get a thousand followers, you know, like, I, I always hate that, I mean, you know? I just think it's, like, <laughs> shouting into a void, like, look it at is. me, and I, I don't know, we're just, we want to do something different. So we have um, a monthly newsletter that we read to graph print with Cold Cube Press. I see that. Our studio mates in Seattle, so we do it in-house, and we send them out to anyone that gives us their physical address every month for free. Cool. We also publish books. We just published Stacey Trans for the Dogs, which is a beautiful book about food memory and um, being from an immigrant family. Stacey's based in Portland. Um, and then we've got these webding tote bags. and <laughs> Merch. Yes. Kitsch. Yes. Okay. And then online, the only thing we sort of do online, because online community is important, I feel like the internet, what it does that's good is it makes things accessible for people. Um, from all over the place of all kinds of abilities and uh, we really want to lean into that so we have an online magazine called Weekly Grandma where we publish weekly content that's not necessarily poetry but is poetic okay and then um, we're also starting a reading series in Seattle with the Fry Art Museum and Seattle Arts and Lectures and Wave we're starting just starting to work on all of that okay yeah that's a lot so, that sounds like you've got a lot of going on in Seattle yeah, we do. We lo I love being in Seattle and the poetry community there. Um, I feel like, though, part of what Grandma wants to do is extend that to people who may not necessarily think of themselves as poets or people who get poetry. Sure. But we want those people to be at our events. So that's part of the mission. Yeah, yeah to extend the reach outside exactly. of that community. And I find that sometimes poetry communities are a little insular. You know, that's they can what be. That's we want to avoid. Yeah. And I feel like social media perpetuates that in a way that's unhealthy. Um, it's not the internet, it's social media and this idea of clickbait. The tendency to like, 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 yeah. like, or like people just basically liking everything their friends do, even though the, what their friends do might not be what they like. Right, and it's just sort of That like, happens. What if, what if we just didn't do that, what would happen? Right. What would we make? What kind of conversations would we have? How would we interact with people who read our books? Oh, I know. So, so yeah, so that's kind of, we're unleashing it all in April, and this is sort of a soft release of all that stuff. All right. Yeah. And what brings you all the way to Tampa? 
for well, the a- I guess well, it's the AWP, right? But there's also this event, which is yeah. the side event for the AWP. Are you actually uh, attending AWP? No. Okay. No, I I went to an MFA program. I went to UMass Amherst. I've been to AWP. Yeah, I went to UMass Amherst too. No way. And so did the co-host. He has an MFA from UMass Amherst. You're kidding. Nope. I love that. Yeah, we're all we're we're UMass alums. I love that. You know what, <laughs> UMass. It's not perfect, but I loved being a student there. But anyway, AWP is sort of like the social media of running a press. You just go and you talk to the other presses, and I. Sometimes it's productive. We don't have to go every year, especially not this year because it's prohibitively expensive. Right. And it's not open to the public. And the public are the people that I want to talk to. So we're here at Wellcom instead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we've talked about this. Almost everyone I've talked to today has mentioned the prohibitively expensive book tables at AWP. It's bullshit. And how it's like some one percenter shit because in the poetry world because it basically squishes, pushes out any independent presses that don't have 350 how much is it this year it's 356 i think or something what? random yeah it's insane i guess you could split a table three ways with 356 dollars for a well, press well this at table AWP. was 30 dollars so exactly not even no that's right yeah exactly yeah. okay yeah. uh and then but okay so this exists whale prom is exists because of this backlash i guess or like a reaction to the awp expensive tables Yep, that and just the feeling of like not being welcome, you know, at AWP, <laughs> not welcoming the community in. You can only come if you have a badge. So is it like is it like an issue with AWP about essentially they're it's, so highbrow or they're so something, they're highbrow. so establishment. They're so establishment that, and that they don't so, have an outreach program for like. They're so out of touch. They're out of touch. A grandma is not about being out of touch. And that's, you know, I just feel like it's, it's. This is definitely in touch right here. This is what we What we, we see going on. This is, this is what fashion is to me. Yeah. Poetry and fashion definitely go to, poetry and, and fashion go together the way poetry and design go together. For listeners, we have a participant inside the oyster shell with yeah. a photo op. And the dolphin um, still just doesn't give a shout give a out fuck. to our sponsor, Black Box Wines, for providing the giant clam in our table display. Just awesome. kidding, but we want them to sponsor us. So if you ever hear this, my name's Colleen. Come find me. Okay, what do you think about poets and fashion? I think that <laughs> poets and fashion have a complicated relationship. <laughs> I think a lot of poets think it's cool to not be into fashion, but then they look ridiculous. I don't know. I sort of think that getting dressed is an amazing creative opportunity and it's a way to communicate with people i feel like poets should be obsessed with communication so you don't have to be super into fashion but you should be aware of how you're communicating what you're about to people and and to me that's why i like to have fun with clothes because i'm like Hey, I'm at Whale Prom. I'm wearing a fucking '80s uh, peplum dress. Yeah. And I wore a suit coat. You wore a suit coat. Yeah, I got a suit coat to Whale Prom. It's it's if you let it, it can be a joy of life. It's true. True. Just like poetry. True. Uh, Last question. Yeah. Can you judge a book by its cover? Yes. Okay. Tell us about that. (laughs) I mean, can you? You do. I know. Whether you want to. Even though we say we don't, we do. Oh, 100 percent. I think. A cover is a part of is a part of the book. I think a book is an object. The poems in the book, the writing in the book, the photos, art in the book, whatever the case is, 
there's, are a part I think of there's the object. Not enough of that stuff sometimes in these poetry books out here. I agree completely. I think there should be more inter. I, in my opinion, it should be more interactive. More like, Great. more like, oh, you need to cut this page out and make another book. Yes, I just saw, <laughs> no, I know. I just said to him, but Jess, do a Q&A at um, Town Hall in Seattle. And okay. um, he demonstrated to us how you can tear out pages from Olio and fold them to create 3D interactive poems where you awesome. can read them in a circle. I mean, it blew my mind. That's very cool. Yeah, so more of that. What book is that? Olio. It just won the Pulitzer, so people oh, really? know it. Oh, really? It's a book of poems? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Right to him and Jess. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah, published yeah. by Wave, also based in Seattle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Wave's in... Wait, Wave Wave used to be... Wave and Verse used to be together, right? I don't think Wave so. books? No? No. No, Wave has always been Seattle. Yeah, but they. I think they have a satellite office in New York, but they're based in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for talking to us. Thank you. All right. Super fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, Koa Aaron. I am one of three co-organizers of WhaleCom, uh, along with Mark Rubini and uh, Mike Young. Um, and yeah, like this has been really great, actually. Like it's been amazing. Yeah, I feel like this is something that people have been waiting to happen at a AWP during an AWP for like a long time. Tell us a little bit about how it came to be. For me personally, the how it came to be was uh, last year at Washington D.C. Like the book fair was completely like impassable, particularly if you were if you were disabled or like if you just couldn't afford to show up to the event. Like right, completely understandable because it's expensive as an attendee and it's expensive as a as a bookseller. Um, but you know, after after seeing one of my friends have problems like getting to like a panel and then being unable to go through uh, the uh, book fair itself, like I did, I just did a lot of research and got like progressively angrier at AWP kind of invading cities and walling itself off from the community, both like the literary community that like comes to AWP uh, and like from the outside public. So uh, myself, Mike, and Mark started kind of thinking about a way to, to address that and Whalecom really was that. Like you said, people have talked about doing this for a long time. I don't know if there's been other like kind of indie book fairs, but just putting a space together for, for presses that couldn't afford a $650 table, for people who like wanted to go through the book fair without the stress of like the AWP version of the book fair, like that kind of thing. Uh, it was so important, I think, to like just kind of see if it would work. And, sure. Um, I think it has. Yeah, I think so too. Like the general vibe of people here, everything's very like everyone's really friendly. It's really nice. The space, the Rialto Theater, the hosts. Uh, space here is fantastic. Yeah, is it's absolutely space. perfect. Uh, I, I want more. I want more streamers and a bad a, a DJ playing bad CDs. Yeah, like. I just tweeted. I tweeted uh, <laughs> like a picture of the whale prom balloons over there. I said I hope that the whale prom balloon budget increases next year because it's great. Like we have like two hundred dollars worth of balloons, but that's like fifteen balloons. <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, that's funny. I mean, I. Honestly, like I, I want to be dancing to a bad '80s DJ with all these people right now. That's, yeah. I'm just saying, like that's what I want. I like, think so, like the ambiance, the ambiance. It feels right, doesn't it? It feels, it feels very right. It feels yeah. Very good. We've got representation from all over the country here, right? I, I mean, so. there's like a lot of different people, people who signed up for this. Do you see Well Prom or a version of it happening in Portland, or like as it moves forward? Like, you know, could you develop, like, a partnership with a press in Portland to kind of, like, 
take it take it on or something or like well, have we'll you thought have out. you talked about it? We will find out. Uh, the response has been such that uh, Mark and Mike have already been like we're doing this in Portland next year. Awesome. Uh, so like without wanting to um, like just officially be like yes. No. Yeah. Uh, not. Yeah. I would say probably. Yeah. There will probably be an incarnation event. of this. Yeah. 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 So uh, for sure, like keep keep an eye out. Uh, I think it would be foolish not to. Like we've proven that it can happen. Uh, and if it's not us, like, seriously, like, somebody else, like, should do it. But I think it will be us, so... Yeah, no, that's great. I think Whale Pump's good. Did, I, yeah, did, I think, did. like, like, like the more the more the idea of a book fair can merge with the idea of a prom, the better. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that we're just, we're trying to bring, like, kind of, like, the, the indie, like, scene fest spirit. Yes, it definitely is alive here. Yeah. For sure. So. so, all right, well, great. Thanks for being on No Good Poetry. This, all right, thank you very much. these last two poems well I have two more poems I thought this one would probably be lost in before but I have a couple more Louisians in the room so I can I can read a Louisiana poem and everyone will get it it's fine drink yourself into the mood some days Louisiana is my soulmate just by selling me the right cognac and smiling at my shaky face melt no judgment from the river or curbside buskers in the quarter. Every morning, a hungover heron fishes toxic prey from the lake, like it's mocking me for drowning my neuralgia in a watered-down to-go cup. My libido needs to function. No offense to anyone's seduction game. My body is only able to accommodate one headstrong throb at a time, the suicidal or the sexy kind, pleasure survival or the death drive. But somehow, when you choke me tight enough, my fright combines them, full-on phobia fetishists, and we laugh late into the night at the flimsiness of intracellular life, admire our respected viruses for shouldering the next extinction-triggered takeover. Maybe they never saw us coming, but we did. Over and over, the arm of the sofa, a poorly upholstered token of affection for happy hour drink specials and the bareback danger of your roommate getting home any minute. I'll miss that black bayou inside you, but by, the, by dawn, the awful birds returning will remind my jaw to jumpstart its hurting, and everything will trickle back to normal between the gulf and my outpouring of murky mass-produced daiquiris between the secrecy of my disease and everyone I wish would touch me at the shoreline, deep in the duckweed, where I can't scream. So some really annoying asshole asked me what the, my favorite thing that I wrote in the last year was, so I thought I would end on this very short poem that I've Smiling here to ear. Too bad there isn't such a thing as conservation of grief. The chemicals only spread. The ache only keeps opening its hands. Take this until you're ash and then 
regenerate tenderness again, again. Supplies are endless. Spinal addendums to what my pestilence once called church. A chiming arrest of the cardiac. A frank I see you, moon to moon. In the howling house, the black bears share with our particular feral carelessness. I met you on the steps. And don't pretend you don't remember what happened next.